Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective, Part 3. This is lesson number seven of Part 3, and we've been talking about uh, being crucified with Christ. We've been talking about how to live a life of pure motives, what it takes to have a life of pure motives. The only way possible to have a life of pure motives is to be crucified with Christ. Uh, we'll take a little different perspective on it. We've been talking about Paul and his experience in Galatians 2.20 uh, as compared to his description of his life in Romans 7. But uh, let's talk a little bit about something Jesus said. Okay, And I believe that we can find that Jesus' words also teach there is a second work of the cross so work of the cross that gets us saved, and then there's a work of cross that that uh, he does in our lives. And I'm one of the places I'm taking this from is uh, Luke chapter nine and verse twenty three. And he said to them all, "If any man will come after me, let him deny himself uh, and take up his cross daily and follow me." Uh, let him deny himself. Is that is that not talking about motive? But it's even greater than motive. It's more than that. So we will uh, we'll look at this. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus' own words teach us that there is a second work of the cross which should occur in our lives every day after we are saved. Uh, we we're pretty sure we know what the word deny means. But the word we use for deny is not the same Greek word as Jesus is the Holy Ghost used here in writing the words of Jesus through uh, Dr. Luke. Uh, it's not the same word as deny. Let's look at it, please. Uh, the, uh, the word deny comes from the uh, Greek word that means to deny utterly or to disown. Uh, that's strong. Thayer says the word means to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone. It also means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. Deny. It comes from two Greek words, the word translated deny and uh, Luke. 923 comes from two Greek words. The first one is the uh, prefix or the preposition, which becomes a prefix. Uh, it means off or away. Uh, this word in composition is a prefix. It usually denotes separation, departure, cessation, completion, reversal, etc. Uh, it literally is talking about uh it's, it's used either of separation or as a point of origin. As For instance, if someone is leaving a point of origin, they are separating themselves from that. But in this particular word, uh, one of the definitions or the nuances of the definition used of separation is used, according to Thayer's, is used of any kind of separation of one thing from another by which the union or fellowship of the two is destroyed. So it is renouncing 
ownership and control of me, which ultimately is I'm moving away from idolatry to a life of doing the will of God. The, uh, so the first definite, the first, uh, part of those, the first one of those two Greek words, that's the root words for, uh, deny, uh, is separation or moving away from. And the other word is the Greek word that means to contradict, to disavow, to reject, to abnegate. Uh, Thayer says that's strong. Thayer says it means to disregard one's own interests or to prove uh, that you don't own you, uh, to not to deny someone, to deny oneself. It's it's to act entirely unlike your own flesh or self or will. It's to deny, abnegate, abjure. So uh, according to vines, the word deny means to deny utterly, to abjure, to affirm that one has no connection with a person to deny oneself as a follower of Christ. This is really, really important because it's not saying no to self. Okay, let's see. I, I want a, uh, I want a chocolate ice cream cone, but I'm going to deny myself. That's not what the word's talking about here. That's not what Jesus said. He said, if any man will come after me, be my disciple. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. So the rest of the discussion of this verse is of no value, no real benefit, if we don't understand the whole pivotal word in the whole verse. And the pivotal word in the whole verse is deny. Jesus had the man Christ Jesus had to completely deny ownership of, of himself in order to become obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross, Philippians chapter 2. He had to deny ownership of himself. I don't own me. I don't own me. You and I have to acknowledge we're not our own saviors. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves in the sense that there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation, to deserve our salvation. There's nothing we can do within ourselves to produce our salvation. We can, we can believe God and we must obey God to prove that we have faith. That proves that we have faith, but that doesn't earn anything. It doesn't earn anything. Uh, I've used the verses before, John, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 17, where the disciples said to Jesus, uh, Lord, increase our faith. And he said, if you got faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, or I don't remember if it was a mountain or a tree there, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and it will obey you. It's not the amount of faith you've got that's the issue. It's the amount of submission to God you've got. And he says, but which of you, having a servant, plowing uh, or feeding cattle in the field, when he's come in from the field, you don't say to him, go take care of yourself. I know you're tired or whatever, but prepare for me that I may eat. And then afterward, you can go refresh yourself and eat yourself. And he says, Jesus, King James says, does he thank, uh, as Jesus's word says, does he thank that person for doing what we, he was commanded to do? 
uh, I trow not, which is 1611 King James English for, I don't think so. And ye, after you've done all this commanded of you, say, we are unprofitable servants because we have done that which is our duty to do. So those that say, well, you don't have to obey God because that's earning your salvation. Well, then if I'm earning my salvation, Jesus didn't know what he was talking about, did he? Because Jesus said that my obedience is only submitting to what was commanded me to do. It doesn't earn me anything. But what it does do is it demonstrates the presence of saving faith, according to James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works dead also. So in order to have faith, great faith, it's not the amount of faith I need, it's great submission I need. Because whatever I'm, the Lord is speaking through me to do, if I'm speaking to a mountain, speaking to a tree, speaking to a devil, speaking to a cancer, speaking to lameness, lameness, it will obey me speaking the rhema of God in the exact same proportion to which I obey God. So to whatever degree I'm submitted, when God speaks through me, that thing I'm speaking to will submit to the exact same degree that I'm submitted. And so when Jesus said, any man is going to be my disciple, he's got to deny himself. He's got to give up ownership of himself. And part of giving up ownership is to take up his cross daily and follow me. The cross is supposed to work in our lives every day. That's why Paul said, I die daily. The big event in the transition from the first phase of his life to the second where he came to the end of himself and he was no longer trying to do good, do right to earn his own righteousness or whatever, uh, was he was crucified with Christ. But on a daily basis, that had to be maintained. So Jesus is speaking to us here in Luke chapter 9 saying to me, to us, uh, okay, you want to be my follower. You've got to get to this place. you got to deny yourself. That's the big event. That's a parallel with being crucified with Christ. That big event, that big moment of surrender where God has brought me to the end of myself and I give up on me and I choose God and he becomes the life living in me, uh, abiding, and he be- it becomes his faith that I live in the flesh with now. So that's the event. But fulfilling, staying in that place and living in that place, I'm supposed to take up my cross daily and follow him. The word take up literally means to take upon oneself, to carry what has been raised up and bear it. Cross, to take up, take up my cross. Now, the Greek word there for my, take, whoever would be my disciple, whoever come would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So the Greek word his there, it is only there for 
emphasis. Okay? According to Thayer's, it means himself, herself, themselves, itself, he, she, it, or self. It's the word for self. The Complete Word Study Bible Dictionary says the word means self, used as an intensive for emphasis. It sets the individual apart from everything else. So when he said we're supposed to take up our cross daily, it could be literally translated, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up self's cross daily and follow me. Take up means I'm I'm taking it upon myself. I'm not trying to get rid of it. I'm not trying to avoid it. I'm not trying, I don't resent it. I've made peace with it. I am, he has circumstances and situations for this day that he has determined that it is his will for me to bear them. And whatever work they're going to do in my life today, I need to do them so that there can be, there can be work done in my life by those internal work done on me by the external circumstances I'm going through. A cross is external to me. It's, it's external to me. So again, his cross, it's not speaking, that, that word can be male or female in the Greek. And it's, it, it's used as him or her, himself or herself, he, she, or it, depending on the context. Same Greek word. But the focus is self. And again, I, I'm, I'm reading this again from the Complete Word Study Bible Dictionary. Self. It's used as an intensive for emphasis. It sets the individual apart from everything else. Isn't that what the cross is supposed to be doing? The cross is supposed to be setting me apart from everything else. So if I take up, I embrace, I, I, I acknowledge that my father's in heaven. He's in charge. He's in control. There's no such thing as coincidence. There's no such thing as luck. Whatever's going on in my life right now, he has allowed it for his purposes, for his glory, for the good that he's working. And that I am receiving this cross from him in, in, by permission. Those circumstances, he may not be the cause of them especially the bad ones, but he has permitted them. And because he has permitted them, they have become my cross, the cross of self or the cross for self to be crucified on. The word cross literally means uh, a stake or post as set upright, especially a pole or cross as an instrument of capital punishment, according to Strong's, but it also figuratively, according to Strong's, means Exposure to death, i.e. self-denial. And the ultimate self-denial is by implication, implication, the atonement of Christ. Cross. So it is whatever instrument the Lord has allowed to come in my life, whatever circumstances he's allowed to come that are working on my will, that are working on my flesh, so that these things can die, be surrendered to God, so that 
as a person, as a being, I can belong to him. And then he can use me in any way he chooses to use me for his glory. Because that's the ultimate goal of a pure motive is Jesus to be glorified. Now, he said to take up our cross, our, our crosses daily. Uh, there's actually two words in the Greek text that are translated by the one word daily. The first one is a the preposition, uh, and that one of the definitions fits in this context throughout. It can mean other things, but in this context, according to Thayer's, it means throughout. According to Strong's, this word uh, in composition as a prefix retains many of these applications and frequently denotes opposition, distribution, and intensity. The distribution is throughout the day. And the other word here uh, that's translated uh, uh, the two words as day is day, literally. The time space between dawn and dark or the whole 24 hours. So I am to take up my cross daily. Throughout the day. So it's not just when Paul said I die daily. I'm going to paraphrase here based on all this taught here and the other scriptures that have been used. And you will see there's more scriptures that even back it up. When he said I die daily, he said I'm completely surrendering my will this day to God. And by the grace of God, I am going to live every moment of this day according to the will of God and not my own. I'm going to go where he's going. I'm going to do what he's doing. Whatever he's saying, I'm going to say. I want to be a part of his life, a part of his plans, a part of his kingdom. I want to be a part of him. I want to be in him. Just like he is in me, I want to be in him. I don't want to be separated from him. I don't want to be apart from him. I want to participate with him. With him. And I want to be yielded to him and submitted to him. So that's the purpose of crucifixion. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. The word let means it's our choice. Let him deny himself. Let means I, I got a choice in the matter. It is a test of my will. It is a test of my choice to, to deny myself. He was, he's, he's not going to make me do that. It's of no value to him if he makes me. The value to him is when I willingly choose to be empowered to say no to myself. Or another way of saying it is to die to myself. It's another way to say it. I, I'm, I'm going to be dead to myself. I disown me. I have no more ownership of me. Well, if I don't own me, who does? <laughs> we are not our own. So we've been bought with a price. He owns us. The church doesn't own us. The preacher doesn't own us. God owns us. We're a part of a body, and that body's led by a man of God, by God's will, and by God's choice. That's the way, that's the pattern he has. But between he and I, he owns me. Whatever he wants, that's what I'm supposed to do. So he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. And follow me. The word follow according to Strong's means to be in the same way with. To accompany. 
especially as a disciple. According to Thayer's, it means to follow one who precedes, to, uh, to join him as his attendant, to accompany him. Uh, another definition, according to Thayer's, is to join one as a disciple, to become or be his disciple, to side with his party. This is what the Lord has asked us to do, has said for us to do. If we want to be his disciple, if we want to follow him, if we want to fellowship with him, if we want to have true fellowship with God, we want to be a true believer, we want to be a true disciple of Jesus, we want to be a true saint of God, true child of God, true uh, minister of the gospel, we have to deny ourselves. We don't own us. We have to give up our cross, give up our lives, take upon us his life, his will, his way. And we have to take up our circumstances that he's allowed. They are our cross. And I'm supposed to bear up under them each day as he wills for me too. Now, when he says to me, I'm done, speak to it, I'll take it, boom, it's gone, uh, fine. But until we get the word for that, we're supposed to be patient. In our patience, Jesus said, possess ye your souls. The word patience there means uh, endurance. The Greek word means literally endurance. And it comes from two separate Greek words, one it means to stay, and the other Greek word is under. So in my patience, possess I possess my soul. My patience in trusting God. My patience in trusting the circumstances that he is uh, using in my life. In that patience, I possess my soul. So how do I possess my soul? I trust him and the cross he's brought in my life. And I stay under the circumstances, patiently trusting him till he's ready to fix it. Jesus indicated that we were to literally accompany him to crucifixion, bearing our own cross daily. Jesus bore his cross for us. We are to bear our cross for him. I've mentioned in previous videos that my wife has had cancer three times. First time she had cancer, the Lord miraculously took it out. It was there. They found it. They had the test to prove it was there. And then there was prayer. And when she went back, it wasn't there. They couldn't find it. It was gone. The records still show she had cancer, but it was there. And then it wasn't. The second time uh, she had cancer, several years later, uh, the Lord had already spoken to her before she went to the doctor that she had cancer and that he wanted to build her faith. And so therefore, he told her, you can let them take the lumps out, but they cannot do the radical surgery. That's And that was the word God gave her. So when went to the doctor and he did the test, said there's lumps there. We need to do the full surgery, the radical surgery. She said, nope, not agreeing to it. He said, I can't, I can't give you a positive prognosis if I don't. She said, nope, all, I, all I'm willing, can't you go in there and take the lumps out? He said, yeah, but I can't guarantee you that you're going to live. 
I can't give you the most positive prognosis if I do that. I need to do radical surgery. She said, nope. Appointment after appointment, we went back and forth with this doctor. It was about four months, five months. Finally, he said, okay, okay, okay. I'll do it your way, but you're going to sign this release form that says I have encouraged you by my medical opinion for you to do this, and you're refusing to do that, and that I'm doing this procedure. And if this procedure doesn't work and you die, you're not going to sue me for malpractice. We signed it. He went in, took the lumps out. That's all he did. Simple lumpectomy. And he came back to us later and said, well, I'm surprised, but it worked. I was able to get clean tissue, clean margins all the way around each lump. So we got all the cancer. It was fine. Well, about, I, I don't remember how long it was, eight, ten years later, whatever it was, in uh, 2013, early November 2013, she says to me, I found lumps again. And we prayed. I said, we'll call the doctor, try to get in there today. Well, we called her OBGYN doctor. We went in. They got us right in. And uh, we didn't get to see the doctor. We saw a nurse practitioner, physician's assistant. And uh, she was only in the room about 15 minutes. She examined my wife, and she left. She didn't say where she was going, what she was doing. She was going about 30 minutes. Came back in the room. She said, okay. You got, uh, I think it was 30, 45 minutes. You got an appointment for a sonogram and mam- mam- uh, mammogram. And then uh, uh, this afternoon, I got you an appointment with the surgeon, the best surgeon around here. And so you need to go, go now. We're sitting there a little shocked. This is pretty fast. I don't know what she felt, but it was disturbing enough to her. She moved on it right away. So we drove over to the hospital and it was there for the sonogram and the mammogram. And while they were reading that, they didn't, weren't, didn't tell us anything, but we had uh, about an hour and a half or so until uh, we had an appointment with the surgeon. And we're sitting at the table, and I said to her, now, I want you to know that I don't believe, I believe the Lord has let me know that he's not going to give a word of healing for this. We're going to have to walk this journey. She said, that's exactly what he said to me. And I said, I believe on this journey, we're going to listen to the medical doctors as long as you have peace. She said, that's exactly what he told me. And I said, he's not going to let us pray for you to be healed. She said, that's what he told me. I said, okay, well, I want you to live, but whatever the will of God is, we're going to trust him with it. We're going to participate with the medical community, but we're not going to put our trust in him. Them. Our trust is in him. She said, that's exactly what I believe. So we went in to see the doctor and uh, early November, and the doctor said, you definitely have cancer, and uh, the lumps are big, but they're not so big. We can, we'll just take the lumps out, and uh, you probably won't even have to have uh, chemo or radiation. That was the first prognosis. And then, um, but I want you to go do this test. So we went and had a CT scan or whatever it was, a CAT scan and an MRI. 
and they came back and said, uh, up they're bigger than what we thought they were. Uh, you're going to have to have, uh, you're going to have to have the major surgery, but we want to run some more tests because one, one lymph node looks like it may be a little affected. We want to make, we want to see if the, the cancer spread in your body. So they went in and, uh, took the, uh, couple of lymph nodes out and tested them, did some other tests and came back and said, these lumps are so big, they've gotten so big, and we got one of these lumps that's affected by cancer. Uh, we're not even sure that if you did surgery right now, it'd work. So we're not going to do chemo after surgery. We're going to do, do chemo before. So the first part of the first week of January of 2014, we started t- four months of chemotherapy. And uh, that was very painful to watch. I was a part of every bit of that. And so we, uh, all the only way we could pray every day, the only way the Lord would let us pray, we would pray together. Father, we know you love us and we know you're in absolute control. We know you knew about this cancer before we did and we know you know the end of this, even though ourselves and the doctors don't know. So we're giving this to you right now and trusting you with it, Father. We're trusting you with it because this is this is up to you. Whatever happens is up to you here. We trust you with it. And we give you the thanks for the outcome in advance. We prayed that every day at least once. And some days, especially if she, the devil tried to give her fear, we would pray that until the fear left. We never one time asked God to heal her. Well, uh, after the chemo was over with, she needed about six to eight weeks uh, for the chemo to get out of her system so she could go through the surgery. And so by the in that time frame, it was almost eight full weeks near the end of uh, May that she had surgery. It was a 13-hour surgery. And uh, uh, two days later, the surgeon came came in and said, well, we've got I've got the pathology report on uh, – the tissue we removed, and he said, we couldn't find any cancer in the tissue whatsoever. You have no cancer. So my uh, the natural mind could ask, which we didn't, but it would be reasonable to ask, well, Lord, if there was no cancer, then why don't you just tell us that so she wouldn't have to have surgery? Because that was the road he chose for her to travel. He could heal her. We had no doubt he could heal her. He'd already healed her. The first time he healed her. The second time he did it his way, even though it wasn't radical. But this time it was his will. And we trusted him with it because her life is not hers and her life is not mine. And my life is not mine and my life is not hers. Her life is God's and my life is God's. And as long as he chooses for us to live, we will live. And if he chooses us to have health in that, we'll have that health. And if we, he chooses us to have strength or weakness in that, that's what we'll have. Because we are his disciples. We are following him. And by his grace, we are taking up, we are denying ourselves and taking up his cross daily. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for you, my friend, my brother, my sister. I pray for myself that the grace of God would empower us to completely lay ourselves down at the foot of the cross, that the cross would work in our lives 
that God would, and we would deny, disown ourselves, and that the grace of God would enable us to, to take up whatever circumstance the Father allows in our lives each day, that we might be uh, under the influence of and affected by the cross every day of our lives, that we might follow him and be his disciples. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you.